That is why we're gathered here today. Let's do our best to seek God and his righteousness and let everything else fall into place today. Let's run to him. Take us in, Melody. Here we go. Your, your heart is full of love and mercy. Your, your blood poured out. We are broken. Thank you. 
continue in worship. Sing this together. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of one. They think you're
Yeah, it's sweet to just come and celebrate all that God's done, friends, and um, be reminded that He is a Father to us in a way that uh, we'll probably quite never understand. So I hope today that you're reminded of His love for you and His purpose for your life. Uh, You're in for a great service today. Thanks for being here, everybody. So uh, before you have a seat, just take a moment and say hello to somebody around you. We'll see you back in a second. Good morning and welcome to Hopevale. I'm Pastor Steve. Are you excited to be here this morning? I hope so. What a great job standing backstage uh, listening to you worship. Wow. Wonderful job. Um, God must be pleased in in that regard. I hope that uh, this morning you truly are excited to be a part of the body that meets here at Hopevale. We have an awesome opportunity for you today. If you are new or relatively new to Hopevale and you've never been a part of our Get to Know Hopevale class, We want to invite you today, right after this service, at 12 o'clock, down in the venue, uh, we want to invite you to be a part of that, to find out who we are, what we believe, a little more about how you can be involved and everything that goes on inside the walls at Hopevale. Um, And here's the bonus. We're going to buy your lunch, okay? There's a little bribe in there to come and join us and be a part of that. Uh, It's going to be a great time together. It'll last for an hour. It's all will go as one hour but you can find out great, valuable information that you can use in the future. Um, Before we head to prayer, I just want to also mention this weekend, our student ministries, um, they're up north at a camp this entire weekend. They're going to be wrapping up a little bit later today. But we want to hold them up in prayer as well today. Over 150 students, another 40 or 50-plus staff, volunteers, uh, Pastor Sam, Kyle, and Stephanie, they're up there leading this group to a deeper walk with Jesus and a deeper understanding of him. So... Uh, We want to keep them in our prayers today as well as they are uh, enjoying their last moments up there and then traveling back. Every week, as we have the opportunity as a part of our worship to uh, give back to the Lord through our tithes and offerings. And so as the ushers come forward today, we just want to take a moment to pray for our time in that regard and uh, for student ministries and just what God has in store for us today as a part of this service. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love uh, for each and every one of us. And we thank you uh, truly for how deep that runs. Um, God, it is truly hard to understand really how good you are to us. And Father, this morning, we pray for Pastor Sam. We pray for all the staff. We pray for all the students and what's going on at uh, at camp this weekend. Father, we pray that these students would leave different than when they arrived. Father, they would leave with a deeper understanding of of who you are and what you've done for them on the cross. And Father, really, we we pray that same thing for for us this morning as we gather here. We come from a lot of different walks of life. We come from a lot of different things going on in life. It can be great things. It can be tough things. And so, Father, we pray here this morning that you would meet us right where we're at. Father, that you would reveal yourself to us that we would come to a deeper understanding of of who you are and your love for us and what you've done for us. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for the work that's going on in this place. Father, would you just continue to grow and develop and nurture each one of us? And Father God, would you take this time that we give our tithes and offerings back to you, a portion of what you've blessed us with. God, we truly have been been blessed when we think about this series and what it means. You've done so much for us, God. As we give a portion of that back to you, Lord, would you simply take that and would you use it 
within these walls, within this body, down these halls as we think about the children and children's ministry and the people in classes that are learning more about you, the students that are away. But then even beyond this, these walls, God, would you do far more than we can even imagine with the gifts that we're about to give? God, we thank you for all that you've done for us. We pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So Matthew 5.14 talks about being the light of the world. It's what Jesus has called us to. So we have a feature song you can listen to while we give.
It's a great reminder for us. Let's stand up and worship this Lord who's called us to live a life for him.
God, that is our decision. That's why we've showed up to this place to put you first and to say, God, um, can you work in us again today? Can we see you again today? Can you speak through that still small whisper that we know or that mighty crushing wave that we've experienced? And God, if there are those of us who've not experienced that whisper or that wave hit today, God, I pray that they experience that. I pray for my friends who are here that maybe aren't on the other side of, of the line of faith, if they're just coming with a friend or a family member. It's a very real prayer, God. Um, just even out of curiosity to, to say, God, are you really there? Can you help me? Or can I understand more about you? Um, so wherever we are in our faith journey, God, if we've been walking with you for some time and if we can declare that song that we just sang or if we're just... Uh, just still trying to figure things out. Wherever we are, God, we pray that you'd be very, very, very real to us today. We ask your blessing on Pastor Dan as he speaks. Lord, that the words of his mouth will give you praise as he delivers your scriptures. We pray this today in Jesus' name and as a church, we say together, amen. God bless you. Have a seat, friends. Thanks. Christ is enough for you. Do you believe that today? Yes, excellent. Great singing, great engagement. Hey, um, Pastor Steve mentioned the Student Ministries Retreat this weekend, and we really do want you to pray for that. They're wrapping up today, but this is one of the highlights of the Student Ministries calendar, 150 plus, as Steve said, at middle school, high school students there where God is working and changing lives, excited about that, and so we pray for that. Another thing I want you to pray about is this Tuesday, uh, Pastor Ken, Pastor Pete, and I are leading a group of 35 people from Hopel uh, to Israel. We are taking a trip that's been on the books for, I know, can you believe this? Ever done this? Ever, like, planned a trip way in advance, and you go, like, 2017? I mean, when's the, you know, and then you turn the calendar, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm leaving Tuesday, right? So this is a first for me. I've never been there. I, I haven't even been to the Holy Land experience in Orlando, Florida, right? So this is like, wow, I hope it's as good, right? Yeah, so, no, seriously, we are praying not just to do sightseeing, but for the Lord to meet us in a special way there. So looking forward to that. We'll be gone for our 11 days and uh, just excited about that. Well, last week, I told you it was coming, and here we are. It's not only the final week of our series, Hashtag Blessed, Learning and Living the Beatitudes of Jesus, but it is also our final exam. So are we ready to recite the Beatitudes by memory? All right. Ushers, go ahead and bolt the doors. We want to make sure. Uh, yeah. So if you're visiting us 
today, you know, you get a pass, right? But we've been in this series, and if you've been with us since the beginning, would love for you to dive in together, because I think we can do this. So how are we going to do this? You know, I was thinking about this, because I want all of us to succeed. I really do. This isn't meant to be some kind of gotcha thing or anything like that. So um, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, as we've done almost every week, ask you to stand with me. So go ahead and do that if you're able. And I'm going to have us first read through the Beatitudes together one more time as one kind of last review. So we'll do that, and then afterwards we'll give it a shot from memory. So let's go ahead and read through these together. Now, you'll remember as we've read through these, there's two slides, okay? So two slides, eight Beatitudes total, four on each slide, you know. If you're like me, you kind of need devices, count on fingers or whatever, or make rhymes, you know, whatever it is you know, make it work. Um, some of you, if you like, because you did this in school, want to write these on your hand, you know, go ahead and do that, right? Okay, so here we go. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay. Taking the training wheels off now, all right? Take a deep breath. Here we go. I know we can do this, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Woo! All right! Way to go. Congratulations. You can have a seat. Oh, my goodness. I hope, seriously, I hope you feel a sense of accomplishment. Because what we have been doing over these last couple months, I truly believe, is not just about getting the Beatitudes up here, but also in here. And I believe that they're going to stick with you for the rest of your life. They are, and that something's going to happen down the road, days, weeks, months, years down the road, something big, right? Maybe you're going to face a major challenge in your life. Maybe you're going to have this very special spiritual conversation with someone you care about. And the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of what you already know to be true from the Beatitudes of Jesus. And he's going to bring it to your mind. He's going to bring it to your heart. It's going to happen. That's how God works. So I want you to be encouraged by the journey we've taken through the Beatitudes because God is going to continue 
to use these in your lives well after the series is over, not only as a blessing to you personally, but also as a blessing in the lives of countless others that you're going to encounter throughout your lifetime. Because the truth is, the final exam isn't, can you recite the Beatitudes from memory today? And the final exam is, will you, will I, will we keep on living them for the rest of our lives? That is the real test, at least according to Jesus. It is because after he's finishing with these wonderful eight blessed stars statements, he then tells us that we're to take what we've learned in here, right, in the church, and go out and live them out in the world out there. Out in the world, right, of our friends and family, our work, our school, and even just society in general. That's what Jesus tells us, and that's what we're going to look at today. Now, before we get to our specific passage, there's one last thing I want to say about the Beatitudes to make sure that we are absolutely clear on, okay? One last thing, and it's this. The Beatitudes are not about Jesus improving your life. They're about Jesus imploding your life and radically changing you from the inside out. Not about improving your life, but imploding your life. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, Jesus said. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, Jesus says, I'm not here for those of you who think you've got your act together spiritually and you just need a little tweak here and there. No, I'm here, Jesus says, for those of you who know that you're poor in spirit, impoverished, bankrupt, that you have absolutely nothing to bring to the table and you need serious help because you have nowhere else to turn. It's the message of the gospel. It begins with actually bad news and admission of our desperation, right? See, that's why Jesus came to this earth for you. That's why he died on the cross for you. That's why he rose from the dead for you. Listen, the last thing you and I need is one more eight-point how-to list, right, of ways we can lead a more blessed life. It's not what the Beatitudes are about. They're not about a life hack for, you know, self-improvement. Another roadmap for our spiritual transformation, pointing out our desperate need for Jesus and his righteousness on our behalf. A righteousness that not only saves us, but a righteousness that changes us from the inside out. And that, my friends, is the greatest blessing possible that you and I can ever experience in this lifetime. Because then and only then can we truly know that ours is the kingdom of heaven. So before I talk about how Jesus wants us to live the Beatitudes out there, I first want to ask you a question. Have you invited Jesus to save you in here? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord? Have you ever told him how desperately you need him? Have you ever asked him to forgive your sins and make you righteous? You see, that's the heart of Christianity. That is the heart of the gospel, the good news. That is the heart of the Beatitudes. Because Jesus isn't interested in making the old you better. No, he's interested in transforming you into an entirely brand new you. That's what he does. Through the work of his Holy Spirit, he does, and he will do that in your life if you ask him to. He will. And so before we go on today, I want to take a moment and lead us in prayer. I want to give you the opportunity to tell Jesus that you need him and that you want him to be your Savior. 
There are many of us here in this room who've made that kind of commitment of the heart, right? We've told Jesus, I need you. I want you to be my Savior. And we want to invite you to that same kind of life and forgiveness. So I'm going to ask us to bow our heads. And if you have never made a personal commitment, and you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, it's one thing to know about Jesus. It's another thing to know Jesus personally. And this can be a day, and Billy talked about this, prayed about this, crossing a line of faith, of entering into new life, abundant life, forgiven life, eternal life with Jesus. That's a commitment you want to make. Just pray in your heart with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. I am poor in spirit. I am desperate. I'm broken, as the Beatitudes tell me. And I feel that. I, I mourn over that. And so, Jesus, do for me what I cannot do for myself. Forgive my sins. Make me righteous. And give me the gift of eternal life. I call upon you, Jesus, to be my Savior now and forever. And I will follow you. This I pray in my whole heart. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have honestly and genuinely and sincerely asked Jesus to be your Savior, he will do that for you. He will. Be assured, the Bible makes it clear that our, our faith in Jesus, not our works for Jesus, is what saves us. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, will be saved. So I encourage you, those of you who have taken that step of faith today, I want you to tell someone that you've done so. Maybe it's a friend, a family member that you've come with here today. Maybe um, it's one of us pastors, or maybe you just want to write us a note, drop it off at the Welcome Center, because we want to celebrate you, this new life in Christ. We want to help you grow as a Christian, because here's the thing. If, if that's the outcome of your experience in this series, that's the road that Jesus has led you down, then you can truly know that you are hashtag blessed, right? Yours is the kingdom of heaven. So, that's how the Christian life begins. That's where we start, but it doesn't stop there. And as we've seen throughout this series, the Beatitudes leads us. They lead us through this progression of faith, right? We start where we come to Christ, we're rooted in Christ, and then from there, there are these shoots of new life that begin to show up in, in, in who we are, right? We hunger and thirst for righteousness. And those shoots turn into fruit. We are merciful, we are pure in heart, we are peacemaking, right? And it's evident to the world around us. And then as we saw last week, though, there are reactions from others, sometimes very negative ones that we get from people. Roots, shoots, fruit, reactions. That's where the Beatitudes have taken us. But like I said at the beginning of this series, we need to make sure we understand that the Beatitudes are not this isolated collection of pithy sayings, right? No, rather they're opening words to a larger message that we know as the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, that Jesus teaches us through, right? And so what we're going to see next in Matthew chapter 5, I want to make sure we make a connection. We make a connection with what we're going to read today, with where we've already been. Because they're not these isolated parts, it's a united whole. So to get us running out to speed, to, to build a bridge from where we've been to where we're going, I want us to take a look at what we looked at last week. So the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 10, 
We saw this. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So here's the reactions passage, right? The one about persecution, that because God's righteousness is becoming increasingly evident in our lives and how we live and how we grow as Christians, we'll face opposition. That's what Jesus tells us. And then he expands on that in the next couple verses. Verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Rejoice and be glad. You're on the right track, Jesus says, when you encounter persecution. Opposition, rejection, doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. No, it means you're right where you should be because all throughout human history, going back to the time of the Old Testament prophets, going back to the time of Jesus, going back to the time of the New Testament church and all the way up to today, there are some people in this world who will go on attack after Christians, verbally, sometimes violently, for who they are and even more importantly, who they represent. And so we as worshipers and followers of Jesus, we're gonna face opposition from others because of what? Because of the beliefs we hold, because of the choices we make, because of the lies we live. The world rejects us, Jesus says, because we reflect Christ. That doesn't mean we go out looking for opposition. It doesn't mean we proactively try to provoke people. But it does mean that we shouldn't be surprised when we encounter it, when it happens. We shouldn't. And yet, as tough as that experience is to go through at times, Jesus reminds us to keep on going and not give up because what? Because it's going to be more than worth it in the end. That's why he says, rejoice and be glad. For great, wonderful, magnificent is your reward in heaven. So that's what we saw last week. From there then, Jesus goes on, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are, he goes on, the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. These four verses come straight out of the Beatitudes, and as Jesus says this, he makes two statements for us as Christians about our missional identity. Our missional identity as those who are sent out from this church and into our world. Two statements. This is true of us, Jesus says. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. This is who we are, Jesus says. But what does that mean? Not only that, but what does that mean in light of the Beatitudes and everything else we've seen up to this point in this series? How how do we put all that together? Well, that's what I want us to explore for the rest of our time together. And as we do, my hope is that God will not only renew our love for him, but that he'll also reignite in us a passion to live out these Beatitudes of Jesus. And to do so in a 168 kind of way, right? Every hour of our week, every area of our life as what? As salt of the earth, as the light of the world that Jesus calls us to be. So let's uh, let's start that then by digging deeper. Let's go back to what we just read. Talk about these identities. First, back to verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. It's interesting in our day and age because that expression has taken on a life of its own. You'll hear people refer to, you know, oh, they are really salt of the earth folk, right? The idea is that they're common, ordinary, no-frills, hard-working kind of people. In a way, it's actually a compliment, right? Trustworthy, reliable, a good thing, and yet that's not what Jesus is getting at. 
No, because when you go even further back in history, back to the time of Jesus 2,000 years ago, salt was a valuable commodity, and it had two very important purposes. First, salt was used as we use it today as a flavor-enhancing seasoning, right? But then second, salt was also used as a preservative, a preservative that in the days well before refrigeration, salting food would extend its life. It would keep it from spoiling. Now, if you think about that for a minute, that's a pretty incredible purpose. So even in our modern times, right, with all this technology, it kills us when we wake up the next morning, go to the kitchen and find wilted lettuce, curdled milk, rotted meat, and we got to throw it away because we didn't put it in the fridge, right? It's like throwing away money because it is, right? And so whether it's refrigeration today or salt back then, there's great value in preservation and keeping something fresh and healthy and fighting off decay. And that's the very idea Jesus communicates to us as his followers when he says, you are the salt of the earth. But the kind of decay Jesus is thinking about isn't culinary. It isn't biological. No, it's moral. It's spiritual. In other words, Jesus says, I am sending you out into a morally and spiritually decaying world that needs to experience my preserving touch, my rescuing touch through you through you as you share good news, through you as you spread good deeds, through you as you live good lives, just as I have laid out for you through the roadmap of my Beatitudes. This decaying world needs you, Jesus says. And the people around you who are caught up and bound by the values of this morally and spiritually decaying world, they need you too. They need you, and Jesus says they need you. You know, we, we're needed not because of some you know, superiority complex, right? If we embrace the Beatitudes, we know we're no better or more special than anyone else because we begin our lives with this honest recognition that we are poor in spirit, right? It's not that we're better, but he sends us out. He sends us out because if we, as his people, who are called to put God's righteousness and his goodness on display, if we don't do it, who will? Who will? Think about your school. Think about your workplace. Think about your neighborhood. Think about your extended family. If you're not there, where will the salt come from? You are the salt of the earth, Jesus says. And the people in your world, they need me working through you to keep them from decay, to keep them from destruction. Again, not meant to puff us up with pride and arrogance, but meant to send us out with love and compassion. And so as wonderful as our worship gatherings are on Sundays, as enriching as our community group meetings are during the week, we also need to be out there, out there following our Savior, living out his beatitudes, because if we don't, we choose to ignore Jesus' mission for us, there will be a cost. Back to verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything. We'd say good for nothing, right? Except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, I told you there were these two, you know, major purposes for salt back in the ancient world, right? Preservation and and seasoning, right? But there was a third use, a secondary use, and that was fertilizer, right? Fertilizer. So if a batch of salt could be used for those two more valuable purposes, right, then this lower-grade salt would be spread out on the ground, kind of like we do with compost, right? Not a bad use, but not a valuable one. 
So it was salt, but it wasn't salty, if that made sense. In other words, it was bland. It had lost its distinctive qualities. See, that's the warning Jesus has for us. Don't be a useless Christian. Don't lose your distinctiveness. Don't be so bland in your faith that you blend in with the world around you. Remember the slide from last week? We talked about grace and truth. It applies here as well. Something's wrong if all unbelievers hate us. Something's wrong if all unbelievers like us. We accurately demonstrate grace and truth, the grace and truth of Jesus. Some will be drawn to us. Others will be offended by us just as they were with Jesus. So no, we don't go out of our way to be obnoxious and needlessly tick people off. But we need to make sure that we're not so bland that we're just blending in with our surroundings. Why? Because we've so watered down our faith and we've lost our distinctiveness. Listen, if you are committed to following Jesus, to living out his beatitudes, you will be salty. You will be distinctive, and that's exactly what this decaying world around us needs. It does, so we are the salt of the earth, Jesus says, and then he goes on, he also says this. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Jesus wants us to know that this world we live in is not only one of moral and spiritual decay, but it is also one of moral and spiritual darkness. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus makes it clear that everyone who does not follow him walks through this world in darkness. So even if a person looks all put together on the outside, even if they are a genuinely good moral person, apart from Jesus, apart from the life and light he brings, they remain in spiritual darkness. Now, just to be clear, we are not the light of the world in the same way Jesus is. I've heard it said that it's like Jesus is the sun, and we're the moon, right? He's the sun, we're the moon. Now, if you think about it, I mean, the moon on its own on a dark night can give off a lot of light, which is incredible. But it doesn't generate its own light. No, the light of the moon is simply a reflection of the sun, and so it is with us as Christians, right? We just are called to reflect the righteousness of Jesus that's in us to the world around us. We are the light of the world, Jesus says. A town, a city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way that you don't want salt to become useless and just throw it so it gets trampled on the ground, You also don't go to the trouble of lighting lamps in your house only to put them under baskets, under bowls, where they're not going to be of any use. This, again, is where, you know, our modern world versus who Jesus is talking to back then, you know, we got to make that connection because just as we take refrigeration for granted, we take electrical lighting for granted, right? Flip a switch, the whole room gets flooded with light. Not so back then. I mean, light back then meant getting these clay pots and dishes and filling them with oil, then sticking a lit wick in them, right? And they'd give off light, but even then, only for a few hours. It was work. Now, just like salt, light has great value. It's not meant to be wasted. And everything that comes in contact with, you need to use it the best way possible. Because light, when you're using it well, it shows us the way things really are that we can't quite figure out when it's dark, right? That's why light's so important. That's why light needs to be taken from here out there. We're not meant to hide it. We're meant to shine it. Take it to the places. Take it to the people who need the light of Jesus the most. 
verse 15, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I know a lot of us are familiar with this passage. We sang, you know, the content of this song today. But have you ever made the connection between this passage and what we've done in the Beatitudes? Because they go together. I mean, what does it mean to let our light shine? What does it mean to do good deeds? I think it goes back to the Beatitudes, specifically the fruits, right? The fruit of righteousness that we bear in our lives. The evidence that Jesus has saved us and continues to change us from the inside out. Blessed are the merciful, right? Not the judgmental. Blessed are the pure in heart, not the deceptive and the hypocritical. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the pot stirrers. And the blessedness we experience, right, is one that we turn around and express to others. Luke 6, 36, Jesus said, be merciful to others just as your Father in heaven is merciful to you. So it's one thing for us to tell people about God's mercy, and we should. But it's another thing to show them God's mercy. To be merciful means to be patient. To be merciful means to be forgiving. To be merciful means cracking the door to giving someone else a second chance, just like God has done with us. That's just one more way that we let our light shine. But again, it's not about our light, right? It's about Jesus being the light of the world and us reflecting him. And so as we go out, as we spread these good deeds, we do it not to draw attention to ourselves, but to point people to God so that they too may know, like we do, how wonderful he is and that they may glorify him as their father in heaven, just like we do. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus says. You're also the light of the world, a light that's not meant to stay in here, but a light that's meant to be shined out there. See, this is where I hope the Beatitudes series goes from here. These Sundays have been great. You guys totally knocked it out of the park with memorizing the Beatitudes. Great things, right? But it's not supposed to end there. Think about our mission statement as a church and how it blends so well with everything we've seen in the Beatitudes in this passage as well. We are a community of grace and truth. As a church, we're a community of grace and truth, inviting people to know and follow Jesus with us. Here at Hopewell, we are this gathering, this, this web, this connection, this community of Christians. We're led, we're united by the grace and truth of Jesus. We worship together. We love one another. We serve one another. We pray for, we care for one another, just as Jesus commands us to do. That's what it means to be a church, but that's not all that it means to be a church. No, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. So Jesus sends us out into our world. Whereas we share good news, as we spread good deeds, as we live good lives, we are inviting others to know and follow Jesus with us. That right there is how the Beatitudes, our mission, come together. Now, as a pastor of a church, let me say this. As I think about Hope Val, so many of you here not only get this, but you live it. You live it. You do, and it's so encouraging for me to see. I love being part of a church that really wants to see God make a difference, not only in our own lives, but also in the lives of those around us. We want to see that happen. It's what we long for. It's what we pray for, where people are coming to know Jesus as their Savior, to follow him as their Lord. And as all that takes place, we find joy because God gets the glory. And so to me, as we've walked through this Beatitude series and as we walk through this passage today, I don't view it as a shocking wake-up call, right? No, when I think about this for us as a church, it is an encouragement. 
to keep on following Jesus together, to keep on letting our light shine beyond the four walls of this church. It is an encouragement, but you know what? It's also a challenge. It's a challenge to not grow complacent. It's a challenge to not turn inward. It's a challenge to not lose sight of what matters most. It's a challenge to not get distracted by things like worldly wealth, selfish ambition, political bickering, or whatever else might steal our hearts away, right? Encouragement and a challenge. See, you and I, we have been blessed by God to be a blessing to others. Blessed to be a blessing because light needs to be seen and salt has to make contact if it's going to make any difference in the world around us. And that's why we as Christians were called to follow Jesus and live out his beatitudes, not just in here, but also out there. I love the way the message paraphrase spells out the Bible uh, passage that we just looked at that talks about the light of the world. Let me read it to you and then we'll wrap up. Jesus says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light bringing out the God colors in the world because God is not a secret to be kept. Now, we're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill, that if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No, I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. By, be generous with your lives. Because right? by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Open up to others and you'll prompt other people to open up to God. This generous Father in heaven that we know and that we want others to come to know as well. This is what it means for us to be the light of the world, to shine in such a way that people will not just know about God, but will know him personally. And so as we close today, as we think about where we go from here in this series, I want us to do one last thing. I want us to just settle into our, our, our own thoughts, our own life, our own world, and I want us to think about a person we know. person we know, maybe it's a place we go that needs the light of Jesus. The light of Jesus to rescue them from darkness. Take a moment, really think about that person or group of people or place, wherever it might be, that God brings to your mind. Think about them, Right? And as we, each one of us, we've got these thoughts, we come together and then we ask God, God, show me what you want me to do. Show me what you want me to say. Say to them, do for them. Show me, God, what? Show me, God, where? Show me, God, when? Show me, God, how? And God, as you show me this, give me the courage, give me the compassion to carry that out, right? Like I said, I am already so encouraged by what God has done in us and through us as a church. But it's exciting to think about what else he can continue to do, about the lives he can touch, about the people he can change in this world as he sends us out, as salt, as light to a dark and decaying world around us. A world that desperately needs Jesus just like we do. And so I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to stand just really as a sign of our openness and availability to God. 
And as we do, I'm going to ask you to do something else. Would you do this for me? Would you just open your hands like this as a sign of openness and availability? See, a lot of us go through life closed-fisted like I'm in control. Open hands are just telling God, God, use me, send me, lead me, guide me. So I want to pray that, and then we'll respond with a song of worship. Let's pray together. Here we are, God, forever changed by grace. Those who are poor in spirit have experienced the riches of the kingdom of heaven now. We will forever, all because of Jesus. We, indeed, are truly blessed. But we are blessed to be a blessing to others. So as the salt of the earth, as the light of the world, we just want to say we're open. We're available to go where you want us to go, to be sent to whom you want us to send us. And for some of us, Lord, for a lot of us here, we've got specific names, people, faces in mind. And God, just as you are patient with us, we ask that you be patient with them and help us to take the light of Jesus to them. Because God, you're not done. You are continuing to build your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And thank you that we have the privilege to be a part of that. So here we are, God. We want to be. We want to be the light of the world. Use us, send us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. sing this song we sang during the offering time today.
Gotta, gotta, gotta let our light shine. What a great way not only to wrap up our service today, but to wrap up our series. So don't think of this as the end of a series, but think of this as the beginning of a new adventure that God wants to take us on, that we go out together in his name. Next week, we'll begin a new series called Crossroads, where our story meets Jesus's story as we see it in his final days. And Pastor Sam will kick that series off. We'll also share communion together as a church family. But as you go from here, may you go with the light of Jesus shining through you this week. God bless you.